Wow. Bad break. I might have been given a bad break, but I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. What an attitude. I, I, there's a lot of things about Lou Gehrig I don't know. I, I, I have tried, and I have a researcher who's helped me with this. He's been very, very helpful, actually. And uh, he spent several hours on the Internet. We tried to find out the faith of uh, Lou Gehrig. There's just not much written about that. Of course, during that time, you, know, that you didn't talk about that sort of thing. But uh, so I don't, there's a lot I, don't, I can't tell you that this was a great man of faith. I don't know. Might have been, but I don't know. There's certainly a, his character was phenomenal, and it makes me think that he, he, he must have been in some way um, a man of faith, but I don't have that uh, as hardcore empirical evidence. And I could talk a lot about a lot of different things. I could talk about the importance of team. I could talk about being selfless. I could talk about putting yourself you know, on the bench, literally and figuratively. What I've chosen to talk about is, is what I call it, five fast facts about life, faith, and bad breaks in the words of Lou Gehrig. Been given this bad break. Because, and you know, timing-wise, with what's going on in the, in the Far East and, and uh, the horrible tragedy there, this is really a good time for this. Originally, I mean, obviously I didn't know that was going to happen, but I was thinking this would be a great thing to kick off the new year with because as we all sit here comfortably um, this morning, even though we're thinking about different things, everything from still 9-11 is fresh on so many people's hearts and minds and, and, the, and the tragedies that are going on daily in Iraq and certainly the, the horrible earthquake there in the, uh, in the uh, east. At the same time, we can sit here comfortably and the truth is, this is just sort of a reflective thought, we don't know what breaks, good or bad, might come our way in the next 12 months. We don't know that. And I'm not going to be cynical and negative and say, well, you better be ready for bad breaks. I have lived long enough to know there will be some, and there will be some to some of us right here. What I really want to talk about on that is what will my attitude be when they come, good or bad? Because sometimes the good breaks are hard to take as well. So I'm just going to go very quickly through some of these facts and spend a little more time on, as I always do, on certain ones than I do other ones. But the first, the first what I call fast fact about life, faith, and bad breaks, or in, in the subtitle of our, of our whole thing on Lou Gehrig, The Power of Positive Attitude and so forth. First thing that I want you to just think about is this. Bad breaks are a part of your story. They're just a part of your story. Somebody once has done this, and I'm sure you've, you've done it, uh, have heard about it many times, but somebody one time sort of compared their life to a drama. If you think about that, if you thought, well, you know, my life is like a drama, in some cases it's yeah, a soap opera, in some cases it might be an adventure, in some cases it might be a comedy, in some cases uh, it might be a tragedy, or maybe more than likely a mixture of all the above. And the one interesting thing that I always find when you talk to people, I said, you know, if you're, I've asked people this from time to time, if your life was a movie, what would that be like? Almost to a person, there have been a few exceptions, but almost to a person, people will say, it would be a great movie. My life would be, a, and I hope you feel that way. I feel that way. Um, some parts of that movie that we'll just fast forward through in my, in my case, and probably the same thing for you as well, right? Um, but anyway, that's the issue here. Bad breaks are a part of your story. And you know that. 
And we're going to talk about how they come and where they come from and all that in just a moment and, and get some wisdom from Scripture. Let me give you a quote, though, right now from a guy that's a kind of a positive mental attitude type of a guru, does a lot of things with business and, and uh, team building and so forth. You've probably seen some of his infomercials, uh, Anthony Robbins, and whatever you think of him. Look at this. This is a great, great thought here. We are the only beings on the planet who lead such rich eternal, excuse me, internal lives that it's not the events that matter most to us, but rather it's how we interpret those events that will determine how we think about ourselves and how we will act in the future. That is really, just think about that for just a moment. We are the only beings on the planet who lead such rich internal lives. That's why I say so many times this whole thing of, of following Christ and being a follower of, and a pursuer of God and a seeker and so forth, and, and along that journey that we have, it's internal. We, hopefully not we, many in the church... Many in religious circles have tried to make it an external thing, a whole code of standards and behavior and, and so forth. But, but ultimately, you've got to understand, it is very, very much internal. There's a great quote from Robbins. Here's what I want to say about this. One other thought, and I'll have it here for you on the, on the screen. Life, with all its thrills of victory and agonies of defeat, thought I'd throw that in, provides us with many opportunities to become bitterly depressed because of failure and phenomenally joyous because of success, our quest, then, is to live precariously balanced between the two. And that's, 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 that's true. It's just, a, it's just a true thought. Because we're all going to have that. 2005, we're going to have some bad breaks and we're going to have some good breaks. Now, how do you keep from living boom, like this, you know, the old proverbial roller coaster. How do you keep from that happening? That's what I want to really kind of center in on. So first thing is this, bad breaks are a part of your story. That's just the way it is. Now, second thing that I want you to see in terms of a thought, a little fact here, bad breaks come in many colors. Bad breaks come in many, many colors. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes bad breaks come because I caused them, because I did something stupid. I did something terribly inane, and, and maybe wasn't thinking, and, and, there's, and I failed. And maybe, you know, all of us can relate to that. Maybe it was an honest mistake, and maybe it was just a stupid mistake, just a behavior mistake, just a sinful mistake. You drank too much, and then you drove. Can't blame anybody else but yourself. You got into a, a, a relationship that wasn't a right relationship. Can't blame anybody else but yourself. But sometimes that's not the case either, is it? Because on, this, on one side of almost every relationship that uh, uh, an adulterous type or an affair, almost, almost to a, a T, there's usually one or, or more people who didn't cause that, who, who have to still reap the quote-unquote consequences of that, even though they didn't necessarily do anything. In some cases, it might be a sickness. Lou Gehrig, what did he do? He didn't do anything to get what we now call Lou Gehrig's disease. It just happened. It just happened. You know? So sometimes it's my fault. Sometimes it's nobody's fault. Sometimes it's somebody else's fault. They come in many colors. And you know, I don't know how yours might look this year. 
or maybe even this past year. But again, as Robin said a moment ago, the quote that I gave you, it's how we interpret those events as to how we determine, so how, how we think about ourselves and how we act in the future. Talk more about that in a moment. Third thought fact that I want to give you is this. Bad breaks can be catastrophic. That has to be said. I, I, I tried not to, and I tried to think, how can I get around this one? But, you know, after what we saw on the news this week, just to the point, so horrid, to the point where I, I literally couldn't watch some of the footage anymore. I just couldn't watch any more of it. Just because it was just like, oh, it was just so heartbreaking as you see some of that stuff. Um, by the way, just a little little side note here for some of you who know one of our couples who were, uh, first of all, everybody wrote me, several people sent me emails about Beth Ann, our former ch- children's director who now is in Thailand, and they said, is she okay? Not only is she okay, she's here, okay? Where is she? Where are you, Beth Ann? She's right back there, right back there, yes. She's here. And by the way, she's a lot of miles from where all this happened. She'll see her about it. She'll tell you all about it. But then there was another couple here. Uh, some of you know Ben and Renee. They're he needs to be, he's going to be here for a lot of our sports series because he's from England and he just doesn't have a clue about American culture. And, uh, you know, I got Paul over here too. We got two Brits that we're trying to educate, not only spiritually, but about what really counts in our world, and that is sports. God and sports. What else is there? Anyway, um, ah, there's one other thing. But anyway, there, there's, um, so they were, they were also in that part of the world. And I emailed him and I got an email back that they were in the, uh, in, uh, in a plane during the, uh, the big disaster there. So if some of you knew about them. I wanted you to put your minds at rest about that. But, but sometimes bad breaks can be catastrophic, just like we've witnessed, just like what we have seen. And, and, and here's the issue. What do we do with that? Because this is where, frankly, sometimes we might even doubt God. I mean, let's be honest. We've we got to address that. How, how could... How could God do that? Or, depending on your theology, how could God allow that to happen? Lou Gehrig, he didn't deserve that. The, the, the folks, you know, much more impacting what we've just seen this week in the news. Um, even 9-11. Um, how, why? How? What's the deal, God? I don't know if you've ever had those kind of conversations with God. I have. And I haven't always gotten answers either. But one thing I've learned in my 50-some years of living, and God doesn't always have to answer to rich, by golly. He doesn't. And it's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, Let me show you another quote from a guy that I quote often. He's a Czech dissident and uh, politician and writer, Havel. Look what he says here. I've used this before because I love this quote. Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. It's, it's, that's hope, that it makes sense regardless of how it turns out. I may not know how it makes sense. And on the other, the other side of that is, if I can really understand all of the events in the world and everything that has to do with catastrophes, if I can understand all of that, really, things aren't that complex. And if I can understand it, we're in deep trouble. And the same is true for you, because God needs to have a line of reasoning and a logical line of of. of, of things that he does or doesn't do or allows or doesn't allow, that's far greater than me and far greater than you or all of us corporately put together. Which brings me to this next quote, and I want to take you to the Bible to really find um, a passage before I show it to you. Um, 
It's a passage that was first introduced to me by a professor who had lost a baby. Um, well, it was, it was a three- or four-year-old child. I'll never forget listening to him talk about that in class. Obviously, it had happened years before, and obviously it was, well, maybe not so obviously, but it was still impacting his life many years later. And this was the passage that he introduced us to in, in one of my Old Testament classes in college. And, and uh, I've never forgotten that. And I go to this verse whenever I get into those situations and that logically in my mind, I can't get my mind around it and I begin to question God. And I'll be honest, sometimes even doubt, wonder why God, why? Whether it involves me or whether it involves my family or whether it involves people that I don't know, as we saw this week. And it comes from the book of Job. And it comes, don't show it yet, but before, before, this is after Job has questioned God. Job was a great man of God. I mean, the Bible tells us that in Job chapter 1. In fact, the Bible tells us that there was no man like Job. No man with his kind of character. No man like that. No person, no man, woman, or child like him. And yet all, he lost everything and lost every, every one. And, uh, and so he questions God for about 37 chapters. And uh, in the book of Job, and then he gets to Job chapter 38, and that's the good stuff. And, and, and God, and here's what God tells Job. Show it. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Do you know how its dimensions were determined? And who did the surveying? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstones? There's a lot more, and you can read for it. You can read it for yourself. <laughs> As you get to the last, one of the last, he's the last chapter, the second last chapter of the book of Job, and Job says, <laughs> in my language, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, God. I mean, this is, this is good stuff. And when we get to some of those things in life's questions, you know, I, I talked with a friend of mine not, not too long ago, and, and, I, and I've mentioned it before, but it's one of those things. It, it really made me aware of something that I, I, I should have been aware of long before this, but I, but I haven't been. And, and that was this. It seems as though we can question anything anywhere except in the church. And to question God in the church has some, somehow taken on an anathema. And, and it never really occurred to me that that was a true statement, but it is. And that's the last place that should be. We should be able to question. Listen, God's a big God. He's very secure. He doesn't mind being questioned, let me tell you. He doesn't. Now, the bad part comes in when we think we've got to have the answer that's going to make sense with my neurons, because it may not. But then that's where trust comes in. And that's what God is telling Job here. Hey, where were you when I put this whole thing together, Job? You weren't even a twinkle in your father's eye. That's the deal, man. God wouldn't talk like that, but I do. Um, somebody once said, and I've tried to research this quote, and I can't find out who said it, but somebody said, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And um, that is just such a great statement. So bad breaks can be catastrophic. Let's not lie about that. Let's not duck that issue. They can be catastrophic. And the thing about being, you know, we always say, well, there's something good in this. For somebody, and, and so many times there is, and we're going to hear stories for the next year, several years coming out of, uh, out of that whole area of Indonesia and so forth of, of some cool things that happen in people's lives. We're going to hear, but you know what? 
there are still over 100,000 people that are dead. And it wasn't good for them. You know, that, that's where we kind of miss that sometimes. What am I going to do with that? Uh, Lou Gehrig, we got great story. He got a disease named after him. How cool is that? All kinds of great stories about Lou Gehrig. He still died two years later before he was 40 years old. It's not good. I hope his heart and soul and, and life was right with God. I, I don't have any way of knowing that. I'm going I'm to assume that just because of the kind of character that he had, but I don't know that. But the point is this. You are lying to yourself, and I'm not going to do it, if you want to say that bad breaks always turn out for the best. They don't always turn out for the best. And I don't understand that. And Job didn't either. And he questioned God about that. And God said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? That's why, I'm getting to the end of my sermon too quick, but that's okay. Um, That's why if you don't trust God, you are one pathetic, pitiful individual. What do you trust? Fate? God help you. You know, the capriciousness of life? God help you. That's why, you know, if I didn't didn't have some minute understanding of trusting God, and I don't trust God enough, and I'll be the first to tell you that. Boy, I'd tell you, you'd be visiting me someplace else, and they'd be locking the door behind you. And I I don't say that, I don't don't say that in, 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 in jest, because it would be that way. So, Bad breaks are a part of life, yes. Bad breaks come in many colors. Bad breaks can be catastrophic. But you know what? Let me give you this fourth fact here, fast fact. Bad breaks also, and I want to get to this because this is the positive stuff. I'm a positive guy, and I like to talk positive stuff. Bad breaks can be the best thing that ever happened to you. They can be, sometimes. Um, the classic verse, it's one of my life verses. I have probably about ten or so verses that I just sort of consider life verses. I keep going back to all the time. They probably turned up on my screensaver at one time or another to remind me of, of uh, just certain truths that I always need to be reminded of. But one of mine is certainly from Joseph's life. And you've heard me either allude to this or if you've been here very much, you've heard me uh, refer to this verse often because it is one of my life verses. But it's when Joseph, who'd been dealt a number of bad breaks at the fault of his brothers, who were just scoundrels, just rascals, left him for dead, sold him into slavery, just one thing after another, earns the, earns the trust of another guy, and he's got some woman lying about him and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, the, the Potiphar's wife uh, started hitting on him, and he didn't take her up on it. And so she, you know, the old saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. In that case, it was true because then she started accusing him of bad things. That wasn't a sexist statement, by the way. I didn't originate that statement, just so you know that. But um, um, in, in this case, it really happened. And um, she began lying about him, and he got thrown in that, that he'd really hit on her. And, of course, he had not had done nothing, nothing close to that. Of course, everybody who knows what people believed ended up in jail. Ended up through a whole another set of circumstances, which I'll go into another time, he ended up, after being in jail, in the court of the most powerful man on the face of the earth, Pharaoh, because he couldn't, God gave him a unique ability to, to, to work and interpret dreams for some of Pharaoh's people. He ends up there. He ends up second most powerful man in the world. His brothers are hungry. They come to him, and they say, uh-oh, we're in trouble now. And Joseph kind of messed with him a little bit. 
kind of, you know, let him know, to let him know. And he finally let him know who he was. And, and, then, and then his dad dies, and, and they say, uh-oh, we're in big trouble now. Dad's dead. Joseph is going gonna, is gonna to give all of his revenge upon all of us. We're in, we're, we're in deep, deep doo-doo, okay? We're in deep trouble. And Joseph's response was this, and I have it for you. Don't you see? You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good as you see all around you right now life for many people. He was able to save the lives of many. Gosh, I love that verse. Because that tells me it doesn't matter whether a person intended to hurt me or not. God's bigger than all that. And God can take good intentions and bad intentions and still use them for good. And and bad breaks can be the best thing that ever happened. It may mean that I go to a different place spiritually. It may mean that I go to a different place emotionally. It may mean that I go to a different place logistically, geographic-wise. Geographically. It could mean any of that. But the point being this, that's often, often, that's the way God works. Bad breaks can be the best thing that ever happened to me. And that's one of the great truths of Scripture. And at times, again, that doesn't mean we're always going to see it right away or even for a long time sometimes. So bad breaks, yeah, they can be catastrophic. Bad breaks, though, can also be the best thing that ever happened. We have have stories right here, just in our group this morning, uh, of of different people who've had some bad breaks and have been just just been amazing. We call that some somebody used that in terms of uh, used a term called landing on their feet, and I believe God helps us to land on our feet in, in many situations. And we have many examples of that right here that I know of, and I'm sure there are some that I don't know of. All right. The last fast fact that I have for you about this whole thing is this: you always have the chance and the opportunity, the choice to respond positively. It's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Lou Gehrig. He chose to take what could have been, in so many ways, just a horrible thing that could have just bombed him out for the, le- the rest of the years that he had, which was just two. But he said, I got a lot to live for. And from what I can tell and what I have read, he lived, lived it fully. You always have the choice to respond positively. That doesn't mean that you do so in a trite manner or that you're glib or that you're in denial and say, well, that didn't happen. doesn't mean you do that. You be honest. You face those issues as, you know, with, with the help of others or, 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 or with the help of God or however that works. But you face those issues. Right? Um, it means that somehow, somewhere, some way, I'm going to trust something or someone. That's what that means. And, you know, it doesn't mean, again, that I understand everything. There are a lot of things that I don't know about or that I don't understand, but we can still respond to God and ask God to help us to respond positively. And I'm going to show you, in just a moment, I'm going to show you another verse that I think really helps, helps me again. Another, another one of my, I don't know if it's a life verse, but it's darn close. Um, I have a lot of those verses, I guess. But it's one of those things that we, 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 we have that opportunity. Whether it's my fault, 
whether it's somebody else's fault, whether it's nobody's fault. We cannot make that distinction. Oftentimes we do. We say, well, I got myself into this mess. I've got to get myself out. <clears throat> wrong answer. When you get that buzzer to go. Uh, we, wrong answer. Because we all get ourselves in all kinds of messes. And if we're going to get ourselves out, we're going to make it deeper. We're just going to keep digging that hole deeper and deeper and deeper. That's where we've got to go to God and say, God, I really screwed this up. Help me, please. And you know what? He loves that prayer. I know that because I've seen it in the Bible and I've prayed it myself. Let me show you, a, a, just, this is just a great, great verse. One verse, just a simple verse. It comes from, from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, chapter 29, 29. Easy to remember, right? My age. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Here we go. There are some things the Lord our God has kept secret, but there are some things He has let us know. These things belong to us and our children forever so that we will do everything in these teachings. Did you get that? Some things belong to God, and, he, and, and if I could coin a phrase, He ain't telling. But there are many things that He's shown us. And it's, those are the things, is, you do that. My, my version of that verse is, let God be God. There are some things you will never understand. Seek to live with integrity with the things that you know. This verse means a lot to me because, you know, I have questions because of my profession and so forth, education and experience. People ask me things lots of times about God. Why, why, you know, especially this week, why would God allow that horrible earthquake? My answer really, I'll, I'll just, I'll save you from asking me the question. Not that I don't want to talk to you about it, but I, I'll be happy to. But the answer to that is real simple. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But you know what? I do know he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm still working on that neighbor part, okay? I don't know about some of these disasters. I don't know about some of these things that just don't seem to make sense to me. But I do know this. God says, hey, Rich, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm still struggling with that sometimes, you know? And the point of Deuteronomy 29, 29 is, hey, there are some things that are secret that belong to God. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try to study and shouldn't try to read and shouldn't try to stretch our brains and, and talk to other people to try to figure out some things that we can. Sometimes we can learn more that way. But there are some things that will remain a secret. What does it say about God? What, what does it say about God if you can under, understand everything about Him? I don't, I don't want to serve a God, to love a God that I can totally understand that is just like me, the same wavelength. Same IQ, all the... God help me, you know? That's the case. So there are some things that God will remain and as a, will keep as a secret and will remain with God all of your days. Sure, try, try, try your best. Read, talk, get in places where you can try to learn more. Do that. But at the same time, there are many things that He has told you very simple in the Bible. Love God love others. And those are the things. He says, hey, do that. Work on that. Work on that. There's an old story. There's an old, old story about an old country preacher who went to a country church. You'll like this. Now, Al Young is, is Steve's Steve, mom and dad are with us, and he's been a pastor for how many years? 50? 50 years, right? 60 years, whatever it's been. I'm teasing. 20 years or something. Anyway, uh, and you'll love this. So old preacher goes to this country church, and he gets up and he gives this great sermon. And they're probably, oh, this is a great sermon, great sermon. 
Comes back the next Sunday, same sermon, same exact word for word. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, great sermon, great sermon. So he does this five times. And finally somebody, one of the, one of the head, you know, one of the, kind of one of the church bosses come up to him and they say, hey, do you have another sermon? And he says, you get that one down and I'll get another one. <laughs> love others, okay? <laughs> That's what you're going to hear. That's a great story. I love that. But you know, that part of this whole thing is when we really see Deuteronomy 29 for what it is, wow, some things God doesn't understand. Uh, excuse me, some, everything God understands, some things we don't understand about God. But there are some things that He has made very clear for us. He says, do that. Live that way. Let me close with this um, last, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a long quote, it's from a great, I think, a great uh, theologian of our generation, still alive. I've met him a couple times and appreciate, his, appreciate him very much. And um, I just want to, I'm just going to get you to follow along with me on this. It's a kind of a long thing, so hang in there with me, all right? Words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us, 90% how we respond to it. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. It's more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my successes or failures, fame or pain, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hope. When my attitudes are right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. Isn't that great? Charles Swindoll said that. I believe that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. Let me just say this, and we've got to wrap it up. I don't believe you or I, any one of us, can respond the right way without a relationship with God. That's the key to the whole thing. I haven't talked a lot about that, but it's all, this is all premised upon that. And it begins in a relationship with God. That's why Jesus came. Came not only to die for my sins, and because I deserve death for my own sins, but he came that I could have a relationship with God. Does that mean I'm going to understand everything? No. But it's going to have purpose. It's going to have meaning in my life, even though there are some things I will struggle with probably all my life. Because I serve, I love a powerfully big, big God. Let's pray together. Lord, these are just, gosh, so important for all of us. And, and I, Lord, I don't know, but you do. Each person here, their heart, their spiritual, spiritual thoughts, their, their um, thoughts in general, some of their questions, some of their doubts. Lord God, I, I know that we can all seek answers and in some cases find at least parts of those answers, little snippets of some of those answers and some of those, uh, uh, to some of those questions. But God, we know that the most important thing is our relationship with you. And I, just, I would just ask you, God, that each one of us in our own way, wherever we are, wherever we are in our, in our lives, in our little journeys of, of life, that we would just 
at some moment, maybe today, maybe sometime this week, reflect upon this and just start thinking, Lord, I just want to trust you. Don't understand it. Don't understand. I just want to, I just want to begin trusting you. It's a process. It's not a one-time deal. I just want to begin. Uh, and in some, for some of us, I want to continue, God, to trust you and maybe even learn to trust you in a deeper way. I pray that for each one of us. I pray that, Lord, in our Lord Jesus' name, we thank you and pray. Amen. Um, let's stand together, all right? We've got to get out of here. You're, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm overstating when I talk about getting out of here. You don't have to get it. Love to have you. Visiting with us. If you're not visiting with us, hang around. We've got coffee, whatever. Uh, long about 10 till or 5 till, just start kind of moseying out. We want you to see your friends and so forth. It's a very important part about what we do here. So don't think you just got to get out of here as soon as you can. And, and hey, you know, you can always stay for the next service. Who knows? It'd be kind of fun. I've got plenty of seats. So um, thanks for being here. Uh, take a moment. Make sure you see Beth Ann, our former children's director. She's back here. Make sure you say hi to Steve's mom and dad right over here. Hold your hands up. Right there. Steve's mom and dad. They're responsible. Talk to them, okay? Okay? We're going to put a time limit on Steve. Why don't we do that? Huh? <laughs> All right, let's, let's be out of here. Lord, thank you for our time. We commit it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.